Welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 30. It's the big 3 0. We're, <gasps> we're finally old enough to be 30 episodes old. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just happy happy podcast anniversary, Dicebreaker. Yeah. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor in chief of Dicebreaker, and I am joined this week by two of the team. I'm joined by Alex Lowley's video producer for Dicebreaker. Hello, Lolis. How are you? For Dice Breaker. Dice Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, tis I. Um, I am the same age as the podcast. Although, 30 uh, weeks. As of 30 weeks old, yeah. <laughs> wow. As of next week, the podcast will be the eldest child, I believe. Yes. Is that right? Sure, the eldest yeah. child. Yes. Yes. Oh, right. Wait, is eldest Charlie? I, I don't know. Let's not yeah. guess on the podcast. <laughs> That's only going to lead us down a bad road. I thought he was 30. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, not trying to guess Johnny's age is Alex Meehan, staff writer for Dicebreaker. Hello, Meehan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm not 30 years old. All this, though, sometimes I feel a lot older than that at the moment because 2020 is here. Yeah. This year is truly that cup from uh, Last Crusade where you take take a small sip of 2020 and suddenly you're just bones in the corner. Yeah, and a a woman's like screaming while Mm. you're turning into little bits of bone. Yeah, and an old man is like, ooh, you did a bad. You chose poorly. (laughs) You did a bad. Yep, that's what he says. We are, of course, here uh, to talk about all the board game news and tabletop RPG news and general tabletopiness of the last week or so, uh, which we will begin in, you know, typical fashion by diving into what we've been playing. Uh, let's get this out of the way. Alex Lowley's, what have you played this week? I've played Game of Thrones. You forgot I played Game oh, of Thrones, yes, sorry, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we were just discussing how I hadn't played anything, and then I realised I had played something, and that's the Game of Thrones. <gasps> did the you win or, you... or did you die? I died. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was the, the boy with the golden crown. The crown of... The go- the crown of the yellow crown, yeah, what? the golden crown, right? The boy with the golden crown. Is that, is that one of the characters? Yeah, is that? It's a reference to Joffrey, isn't it? When oh. when uh, when what's his face? What's the guy? What's the Stark. guy? <laughs> when when Mister Stark oh, looks Mr. <laughs> looks in the book. When Mister Stark, you mean Eddard? No, no. Wait, who am I thinking of? Isn't that Mr. Stark? I don't know. Are we, are we going to Avengers territory now? Have I? Have I got? His, I've got his name wrong, haven't I? I did, anyway, I... I didn't win. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Long-winded. Um, I, I mean, I d- was so bad at the game that I lost the tutorial four times before we even started. Um, the tutorial that tells you what to do. I lost it four times. I don't think you should be able to lose <laughs> tutorials. I mean, that's stupid. You should just be like... Oh. I only won it as well because Wheels told me how to win. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... 
I was like, we were like, okay, let's just do the tutorial before we start. And everyone did the tutorial. And I started before wheels. Wheels finished before me because I kept losing. And then I was like, guys, I can't, I can't get this. <laughs> wheels was like, this is what you do. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> well, it's not exactly the most accessible game out there. So it's actually not that bad. <clears throat> I thought, um, all I'd kind of heard about the Game of Thrones board game in previous years is that it's kind of like long-winded and a bit dull and I I think I'd only really heard of it being referred to by friends of mine who'd be like let's have a you know a small casual game Game of Thrones anyone <laughs> like, that kind of you know styly so um so yeah we we played it in an less than an hour and a half I think just over an hour mm. um we played a whole game and it was really good fun I think I definitely like to play it a good bit more because I feel like it's the kind of game I could get good at, but I just um, didn't know how. Mm. Uh, also, there was there was an incident between Johnny and me, which I won't spoil. Uh, <laughs> which, yes, I which, watched which it. Only, yes. Which only helped Wheels, you know, win in the end. Um, spoilers. So, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Two um, warring houses are off, you know, having conflict with one another. Another one, another one worms their way in. So, mm. yeah, and we all know that wormy wheels <laughs> is a worm. Wormy wheels, yeah. Wormy wheels, as we call him. him around the office. Michael Worms Wheeling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also played some. Actually, I played some D and D over the weekend. <gasps> um, not just yesterday, as we know, but also over the weekend, where I played a human wizard called Merlin. Oh. Um, because I came up with him an hour before the game. <laughs> uh, it was good fun. It was good fun. We had a few people who hadn't played before, so it was uh, it was it was quite the adventure. Oh, and, um, Merlin, Merlin, the old man had a was quite fun in the end. I really liked him. I think I I might whip him out in a future adventure because uh, he was quite fun to play. Sure, he'd love that. <laughs> I'm doing these obviously, like uh, people who are listening to the podcast can't see, but I'm doing these little like shoulder shakes because, um, and you nobody will be aware of this because nobody watched our game because it's it was a private game um, on Discord. But um, Merlin did a, a lot of dancing in it, which is oh. why I'm doing these shoulder shimmies. <laughs> so yeah, sounds like that's all I've been doing. Merlin was a very a very fit old man. I mean. You know, he's a—he's uh, just happy, jolly like, jolly old man. It's just the rhythm's fine for him. <laughs> yeah, his hips didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. I do feel like that sometimes because we we obviously play a lot of RPGs for the job, um, and often because we are busy up until the moment where we suddenly go, oh, we we have that video right now that we need to record. A lot of the characters at least that like I've come up with and I think that quite a few others have come up with have been like very on the fly I have one idea and I'm gonna yeah. run with it as far as it will go but I think yep. that's often really good fun because you then like there's the problem of over planning right it's where you you think out a character's entire backstory mm. you've written their family tree you know you know what the name of their hamster is but there's something fun to be said for I have one, I have one concept and I'm coming in with it and I'm going to lean on it as hard as possible until it explodes and see which of the threads I follow. Mm. Um, I think part of it as well is you kind of end up 
forming the character as you play and mm. you're letting other people and other characters influence you maybe to a certain extent. Mm. Um, I definitely found that, like, because Merlin, I had no idea. I was like, human, wizard, <laughs> Merlin. I was like, I'm going to make him a bit dumb. Like, he's going to be a bit of a stupid wizard. Like, he's not, he, I, th- I was like, not even dumb, but just really clumsy. Like, I feel like he is not a very good wizard. Um, in my head, the the only backstory I'd come up with was that he was born as a human called the, and his parents named him Merlin. So he was like, oh, I want to be a wizard, like the the great Merlin that you know of of, of, of ye oldie, old. yeah, yeah, exactly ye oldie <laughs> Merlin. And so he decided it wasn't that he is actually the Merlin, the wizard Merlin, but he is a Merlin who decided to become a wizard, and but wasn't very good at it, and that's where. That's pretty much what happened. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good times. Yeah, it's yeah. worth saying because you alluded to it um, that we mm. have recorded another run of Dungeon Breaker. Dungeon Breaker is back. Uh, as of, <laughs> if you're listening to this, the day it goes live, Dungeon Breaker is back tomorrow um, on Saturday, the something of October. Let me just quickly check the calendar. It's the 24th yeah. of October. It's back on. Um, so yeah, I that run of episodes which we film three episodes at a time um i think i have not laughed that hard (laughs) during a dungeon breaker filming um filming session and maybe not during any rpg other than when we played quest and you were harry otter the lolies and wills was a child spy with the head of a goose yeah and mian was the derily cow (laughs) (laughs) and that that i think there are a few times where i've just cried genuinely cried with laughter during an rpg Mm. uh that was one of them yesterday was one of them i think cyberpunk was another one um, oh yeah i think i've had i've definitely had some great sessions but i don't think i ever laughed as hard during uh any of our like let's play any of our filming sessions as i did yesterday i was like my body was seizing up because mm. I was laughing so much. I like was there was just like snot running out my nose. I was <laughs> trying not to like trying not to like get rid of my makeup. It was like right, I you know, I, no spoilers, but it was yep. at a certain point where I was like, I just gotta, I just gotta. <laughs> it was you know, something. All going. right. It was hilarious, and I, I feel like I mean Matt and I were saying this uh, yesterday. We were like. I feel like I say this every time, but this is my favorite set of mm. episodes so far. Um, I, I just, I think um, it has felt for some reason this what this break has felt a lot longer than the previous breaks we've had, even though like we always take breaks um, between seasons. Um, this one to me has felt like it's just been forever. And so when we sat down yesterday, I was a bit like, oh God, I'm gonna have to remember how to play Mist. Like, oh. I, I've, it's been a while. But as soon as we started, I was right there. And I feel like everyone was just right there. And everyone was just like on form, like, oh, God, the chaos. Yeah. I think those characters have gotten to the point of, I'm sure this will only improve, but I feel like they've gotten to the point where they're like bicycles. Like, I don't know, yeah. when I when I get, when I'm playing Tim the Goblin, I it, first I do have that moment of, okay, how do I do this again? And then as soon as we're getting into it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this is this is what Tim does, and this is how he sounds, and yeah, this is his whole his whole thing. 
Yeah. As soon as the voice hits, I think is when it's like, oh right, like that's that's the more boss. Like, yeah. <laughs> every time it's it's nerves up until the point where I do the voice, and then it's like, oh right, I remember this. I'm just a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to be loved. Yeah. Well, that was kind of, like that was the. It's speaking of, I think this is why, and I'm partly riffing on this because I've played nothing this week um, other than D and D. So I'm absolutely filling for time. Um, but that was the thing is like coming into Dungeon Breaker, I'd not really played a lot of D and D because it wasn't my RPG of choice. I had one concept, which was this is a tiefling who wants to be super evil and powerful, but isn't. And it was that thing of the first few episodes were finding that level mm. and as well as part of the party because we're all kind of coming in from different directions but i think that's why every run feels better and better and I, it probably happens with a lot of rpgs but you find mm. that kind of natural thing of like oh okay like here's my place in this party here's what i know i can riff off of yeah it's yeah it's it was very satisfying um so yes hopefully if you're listening to this you'll go and watch dungeon breaker when it returns uh, yeah, we Saturday. will be having a premiere, I believe, right? So yeah, we'll some of chat. us will be in the chat uh, while it's going during the premiere. So come join us. It's it's a lot of lols. Um, I love being in the chat during the premiere because it's so great just to like see people's reactions to like certain moments or like even just, you know, when we're filming these three episodes, I, I forget bits and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> and it's just really fun to watch it back and just relive those moments. Yeah, I do like being in the premieres as well. Uh, I like to see what the people think. Hmm. Yeah, I think particularly at the moment as well, where we're all remote, which kind of, you lose some of the energy of being in a room with other people and being able to make quick glances or gestures at them. But mm. being able to chat with a load of people who kind of enjoy what we do is always very nice because you almost get to get that spirit back again, where it's like, oh, now we're in a room with, you know, several hundred people. Um yeah, it's it's very fun. And when when you forget the jokes and they hit again, or you miss them the first time around because you were yes. busy thinking about something else, it's yeah. Mm. I've definitely laughed just as hard the second time around at silly yeah. things that people have said. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. All right. Uh that's enough filling from me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, delicious jam filling. If Loli's that that's all you've played this week, uh let's Yep. yep. <laughs> Let's move over to me and me and what have you been playing this week? Um, I have been playing aside from D and D with the others. Um, Wingspan. Uh, yes, my flatmate and I played some Wingspan last night. Uh, the digital version, that is. Uh, unfortunately, I don't own the physical version as much as I would like to. Um, and we played split screen local. Um. Oh. Which you can do on the digital version. The digital version actually has a lot of options for how you can play. I'm really impressed. And the digital local version actually works really well because in the game, everyone can kind of see what you're doing anyway. It's not like, you know, you're trying to keep certain things secret. So the fact that, you know, the, the opponent can see what you're doing on your screen doesn't really make much of a difference. So mm. the split screen works just fine. And it was my flatmate's first time playing, so I yes, so I uh, I talked talked them through it, and um, they eventually did get the hang of it to the point where they beat me. <laughs> oh wow! To be fair, I did almost I did 
kind of win my first ever game of Wingspan too. I think that's it can't, there's definitely some beginner's luck sometimes. <laughs> Is that another certified lowly's kind of win? Well, I technically won. <laughs> uh in terms of like it was a draw and then like the the whatever the the tiebreaker was um went against me but i had technically kind of won okay <laughs> well it was a joint win that then went against me when it came to the tiebreaker yeah so what you're saying is that you lost but <laughs> but, but you're refusing to admit won, that loss it's like <laughs> i was winning up until the point where i stopped counting the points <laughs> no <laughs> I had the same amount of points as another person, but then there was a tiebreaker. It was like whoever had most food or something left, and I was like, well, technically I mean, food is very important in both Wingspan and General, so Mm. fair enough. But I technically did not win this. (laughs) Two points. Two points between us. It was so Try zero points. What? I said yeah, try yeah. zero points and then yeah. get back to me. <laughs> I will let you know as soon as it happens. Um, yeah, it was it was really enjoyable actually. I'm really I've only obviously played it once before. That was on the stream, and then I played it again, and I obviously got a much better hang of it because um, you know I I realised how the round scoring works and and everything like that. So. I was able to actually take advantage of that. Um, and this time there were some interesting round scorings. There were... Um, so in in Wingspan, you, you collect bird cards and you play them in different habitats and you can do different things like getting more bird cards or food or laying eggs. And then each round there are kind of scoring um, requirements. And at the end of the game, there are other things that can get you points as well. So I kind of had a better understanding how the, the scoring rounds worked. And it meant that you're, you're smirking and I'm very concerned about what's happening right now. I, I have my other laptop to the side of me and at the corner of my eye, I can see the podcast document being edited. And I suspect it's something to do with that. Um, yeah. But <laughs> needless to say, Wingspan is a very good game and I would like to own the physical copy because it looks really pretty mm. as well. It and does. I'm really into it now, actually. I just love the way it works. Um, I think it's very... It plays with, you know, making decisions in a very interesting way. Where you're like, oh, I have branching paths here. Which one should I go for? Okay, I'm going to try and go for this one. But there you go. Wingspan. (laughs) There you go. Wingspan. Yeah, I I would like to play more Wingspan. Also, those eggs do look delicious. So... Mm, Yeah, mini eggs. Mm. If you ever buy the actual those. game, be careful. Mm, yeah. Mini eggs. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they didn't anyway. happen this year, did they? Mini eggs. They didn't happen this year. Well, Yeah, they always happen at like Easter, right? Yeah, I think Easter. Or maybe, maybe it's just that usually I'm in like in an office and somebody will buy them and then I'm made aware of them and I otherwise don't. Yeah, I think didn't Easter land right as lockdown was coming in. Yep. So it was probably mm. that nobody was able to get out and get eggs. I had eggs. Right. Uh, yeah. I just had them like after Easter in the discount sale. I did that too. Yeah. We got some Easter eggs. And then we were buying them for like a week after because they were cheaper than just getting normal chocolate. And so we were just buying all these Easter eggs and eating Easter eggs. It was great. I just remembered mm. that. Yeah, hot times. tip there. 
Buy them yeah. after Easter. It's like yeah. when you buy the like the supermarket own brand chocolate and it always tastes like Easter egg chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like really, really cheap chocolate always tastes like Easter egg chocolate for whatever reason. There's just something about the way it's made. It's a comfort. Yeah. It's a comforting <laughs> yeah. taste, I think, because it reminds me hmm. of my youth. Yeah. Well, I don't really eat plain chocolate really so i i wouldn't really know that i guess i only eat my chocolate in egg form thank you very much <laughs> i only have like chocolate with like nuts or mm. salted caramel chocolate or oh, wow very decadent chocolate chocolate with marzipan just sl- like slapping a bar of plain dairy out of her how dare you <laughs> how dare you don't insult me <laughs> all right let's move on to news shall we that, yes yes let's let's uh there are a few headlines this week um which you can find over on dicebreaker.com let's kick off with this one which i think was actually announced a little while back but there's a few more details creeping out on it now it's the next game Ooh. from the designer of splendor um which is a very fantastic card game um, but... Soul <laughs> <laughs> well, Lonely's has revealed the name. Mm, it is called Soul Raiders. It <laughs> seems to be a very different kind of thing to Splendor. Um, so Splendor is very much a kind of like mechanical. You are collecting ge- gems and then you are trading those gems for cards and the cards have points. And that's kind of how it goes. Um, but Soul Raiders, as Loli is just saying... Um, is a it's kind of like a story driven adventure game. Uh, it has over a thousand cards, uh, which sounds like a nightmare if you ever drop the box. Uh, and it's from Marc Andre, who is the creator of Splendor. Uh, and it is so it's kind of like a it sounds a bit like the Seventh Continent, which we've discussed here before, in mm. that it appears to be it's a cult game. Uh, the players are a band of warrior mages. Um, and they are trying to stop some kind of doom from happening, as is the way. Mm. Um, and then you play in kind of one to two hour chapters um, that all feed into each other and have apparently kind of branching paths and decisions that the players can make. Um, and you can you can fail a chapter, but you will always keep moving forward up to the last chapter of that kind of arc or story, whatever it may be. Um so you can you can kind of just explore and encounter things and fight things at your will. Uh, apparently it's not played in turns. It's like a simultaneous, almost like real-time game, which sounds quite interesting. Um, there's not loads of information on exactly how it all works yet. Um, there is the information that you share hit points, um, so you're not kind of separate characters. You're just a party. Um, and it will be on Kickstarter early next year. Um, but it is also playable at Eschen Spiel or Spiel Digital, uh, which is taking place this weekend. Mm. Um, so if you are looking to check it out, it is available during that show. Lodi's <laughs> finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually so I played this um, a few years back at Essen uh, when it was just a prototype, uh, and it was a very short demo with Mark. Um, but it was it was really interesting. It was it really reminded me of um, Unlock, um, if I'm remembering right. Like I say, it was a few years ago. In that you get different cards 
and you kind of combine them together to form new items. So it's kind of got that point and click adventure feel to it. Um, but I don't know how much it's changed since then because that was, I think that was 2018 or 2017 even. Yeah, let's move on to the next news story, uh, which is an ultimate edition of King Arthur Pendragon, um, which I think is an RPG that not loads of people know. It's kind of like a cult classic, um, but a classic very much in the sense of the word because it's from the 1980s. Um, and is it's it was created by the designer of RuneQuest, which I think people generally know a bit more, um, Greg Stafford, um, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago now. Um, but it's it's like a big, it's a really big kind of um, Arthurian RPG where you play knights and whatnot, questing in the way that the Round Table Knights did. Um, but the kind of interesting thing about it is you play as these knights, they go out on quests, they, you know, solve various political problems or, you know, just beat some people up with swords. Um, and then you come back home, you tend to your homestead, <laughs> You get married, potentially you have children, and then like decades and generations pass and your character will change to your heir. So you don't play as one character nonstop. You will play as that character until they basically retire and then you become their heir and continue the kind of questing lineage of your family, which is really interesting. Um, I, I own a copy of the last edition, which I think is like, a number of years old at this point um mm. but the the news is that there is a sixth edition on the way um and they've actually put some quick start rules out already for it um as kind of a little preview which i've not played yet um along with an adventure that was designed by greg stafford back in 1991 and i think was never publicly released um mm. so you can go and check it out for free if you want uh, it's up on chaosium's site which is the publisher of it interesting um, mm. but yeah, yeah. it's can, think, can your homestead have various farm animals living on it or not? Uh, I mean, it's a role-playing game, so presumably, and then I guess you can just engage in combat with them. As no, I wouldn't want to do that. I would want to just look after them. And then when the others are like, oh, do you want to come out to a quest? I'm like, nah, this <laughs> no. Is... Sorry, I'm tending to my sheep. Yeah, please don't disturb the sheep. Mm, I think it's quite grand, uh, down to earth as well. Um, I don't think you could, for instance raise some sheep as your heir and then play a questing sheep <laughs> gripping a broadsword in its mouth. Dude, I, I'm not, no longer yeah. interested. <laughs> that was Lolita's end game. <laughs> I'm but, assuming, uh, like, can you... Cause I, are you then also... Because if you're playing through generations, obviously the world around you changes over time. Right? Hmm. Like, politically... And like, um, uh, uh, what's that word? Techno technologically. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that all stuff that happens then throughout the game? Curious. I believe so. I haven't, like I say, I haven't played loads of it. I certainly haven't played like a long campaign. Um, but I know that there is a there's a very well known campaign for it called the, I think it's just called the Great Pendragon Campaign, which is kind of this really really long, um campaign set during a very specific period of the middle ages so i think there you see that kind of passage of time okay um but i guess it would depend on the group you know if they are focused on questing you might not necessarily see some of the the at-home stuff but i think generally oh. the focus is like that balance of doing the day job you know slaying yeah. monsters dealing with kind of gribblies 
or whatever mm. it may be, and then coming home and raising sheep for yeah, you know, seven years. Having a delicious pie, maybe. Mm, yeah, sure. I'm sure that pie is in there somewhere. <laughs> it um, should be. The other thing is, uh, so the kind of the other thing that makes it notable is it has like passions and virtues, um, which I think they've popped up in games since. But basically, it's like your moral code as a knight, and if you don't follow them, you're thrown into turmoil. So, like, if you know, if you're very virtuous and mm. you fail to engage in virtuous behavior, or you kind of let someone else get away with, you know, behavior that's not completely upstanding, that mm. might then shake you a bit. Um, and affect your dice rolls or affect your kind of um, psyche from then on. So, so say if say if someone really liked pie in the game <laughs> and they saw like a pie on someone's windowsill, if they stole that pie, yeah, the delicious pie smoke, if they mm. stole that pie, would they then be like, oh no, I've done a bad thing? Yeah. I don't think it would be very chivalrous to steal a pie. No. No, so then you would be you would be changed forever by that. Yeah, that experience exactly. would change as a person. Mm. Mm. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> yes, you could play Pendragon, I'm sure, as a Looney Tunes sketch in which you float <laughs> along, lifted off the ground by the smell of delicious pie. Yeah, delicious pie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a quick note on this: so Stafford, obviously, like I say, passed away in 2018. Um, but apparently, he started development on this 10 years ago, so it's been a long time coming. Um, and kind of considers it or considered it the ultimate edition of this game. So that kind of implies that maybe this will be the last major Ooh. release for it. Um, it feels odd to describe it as the ultimate edition and then follow it up with something else. Um, but it, we will find out more, uh, presumably quite soon. So yeah, there's Pendragon. You can go and like I say, you can go and download it for free if you want to try out the the rules now. Uh, let's move on to Wiggly Finger. Oh. <laughs> You're just pointing at the next news item. Yeah. I found it. Um, Stargrave um, is a sci-fi spin-off from Frostgrave, which is a miniatures game that I know Wills is very fond of. Um, because what, Wormy Wills? Wormy Wills. <laughs> yeah. Um, in this case, Wizardy Wills, because Whoa. Frostgrave is a game about wizards who basically go and beat each other up and fight over treasure in a ruined city. Always beating each other up. Yeah, well, you know, wizard's going to wizard. <laughs> and let me remove this cat Merlin, from my Merlin table. Was <laughs> um, <laughs> Merlin was all about beating people up. So, Holy! Yeah. Can, can confirm. Uh, so yeah, Frostgrave is kind of like a it's a skirmish game. Uh, so you use very small amounts of figures. Um, and it is spinning off into Stargrave uh, in which you form a kind of crew of a starship and fly around the galaxy performing odd jobs. Uh, and generally, you know, making money, making fame, being honourable or dishonourable, depending. Mm. Sp so, space pies. Space, yes. But well, more specifically, space pirates. Um, oh, because whoa! you can be attacked by <laughs> pirates. Uh, yes. Oh no! Well, I had, to, I had to get the segue in there somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, it's it has this kind of campaign uh, mode apparently where your crew can progress and you can eventually hire uh, different crew members to your ship. Um, but largely, you'll just be scrapping with other crews over stuff, uh, as is the way. When I saw uh, this headline. I got very excited 
And then immediately I got very disappointed. Because oh. my first thought was that it Frosthaven rather than Frostgrave. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, they're doing a sta- like a space version of Gloomhaven slash Frosthaven. Amazing. And then I was like, no, that's not it. Well, no. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are excited about it. Yeah, sorry to disappoint <laughs> with the news that I wrote based on the facts. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll invent the game. No, I like, like <laughs> I like space things. So, you know, there's that. I am excited about it. I'm just saying that um, cr- creator Isaac Childers, if you're listening, please make a space version is all I'm asking. Mm. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm sh- at some point, I'm sure that must be inevitable. I hope yeah. so. But it's not yeah. really set in that kind of world, I don't think. No, but you could take that system, right, and apply it to. Yeah. You've got ranged combat. Yeah. You sort of magic for lasers. Oh, I hope yeah, he just does. whack some aliens in it. Whatever. I'm, I'm almost certain we'll see a sci-fi Gloomhaven at some point. Yeah. You called it, Lolies. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the game that does exist. <laughs> um. <laughs> So Stargrave, one of the things with Frostgrave is that it's not like Warhammer in that you buy loads of models. Um, you Generally, you just pick up the rulebook, which I think is about 25 quid, something like that, 20 quid. Um, and you can use most models that you already own. Um, so it's more a rulebook than it is a set of models, but there are some official models on the way as well. You both your um, £21, Matt. I did. Yes, £21 for the digital version and 25 quid for the physical version. Uh. Um, which appear to be out next April. Uh, So I guess we'll hear more by then. Uh, Osprey, which is the publisher uh, of Frostgrave and Stargrave, has a habit recently of announcing things way in advance, um, which particularly for the board game industry is almost unheard of. Isn't that weird that that's only six months away? Yeah. Yeah, probably like no time at all. Isn't that weird that 2021 is two months away, two and a half months away? But the fact that April was only six months ago is more frightening because it feels like forever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now, what's the next story? Me and is desperately trying to keep this going. Just powering on through. I can't well, believe I'm the one doing this. I've got good for you, news for you, Mian, because you wrote this story. Uh, so I'm going to just throw oh, over goodness. to you and it's now your job to keep this on track. Time for some quality, am I right? <laughs> well, wow. I don't mean that. Matt Jarvis is an excellent writer, uh, and I would never ever say anything like that. Digging, just um, digging here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote this one. Um, oh! <laughs> Sorry. What is you happening? Can, you can cut that bit out. I knocked my laptop over. Um. <laughs> no, keep it in. <laughs> to scare the living hell out of everyone. It'll be like uh, Citizen Kane when he puts the cockatoo in. <laughs> Wake him up. <laughs> oh, anyway, what's this table thing? <laughs> it's a digital board game table <gasps> called uh, Oh, the Infinity Game Table. Um. Yeah, not a great name. Bit generic, isn't it, really? Um, felt like you could have come up with some better name yeah. than that. It's like they came up with Infinity and were like, yeah, that's too generic. What can we add? I know, the word's a game table. Mm. So. It doesn't look uh, very comfortable. 
It doesn't look very comfortable. No, they're all like leaning over. Like their backs are going to mm. be sore if they're going to be playing that for a while. I mean, that's yeah. that's my entire Especially life. Especially they're right? playing Monopoly. So if you're sitting there like that yeah. for four hours, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> also, it does just look like a massive iPad. It does. Like, yeah. It doesn't. It just because it's got that kind of black gloss um, bezel around it, so it just oh. looks like someone put a massive table on four legs, a mm-hmm. uh, massive tablet even on four legs. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, it, it's yeah, it's like a table that has a screen in it, and it has like touch screen. Um, so presumably, you'll be able to pick things, you know, select things and move them using your fingers. Um, there's a 32-inch version and a 24-inch version. Um, they have detachable legs. Oh, so you can just use it like a massive yeah. tablet. Just yeah. sat. Can you, you can imagine that next to you on the plane? <laughs> oh my god, Wheels and uh, I would 100% do that on the plane. 32 oh, inch just. What a 32 inch? Can you, can you imagine if they were like, um, can you put away your electronics, please? We're like, no, we can't. It doesn't fit anywhere. <laughs> Whoa. I'd be impressed if you could get that on the plane, to be honest. I think they might take. It's like a TV. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it weighs, but um, there's also a portable version that comes with a battery power unit. So presumably you could take it on the flame with you, Lolis. Right, okay, so I think this sounds awful. The only way (laughs) anyone can convince me otherwise is feel free to send me a copy (laughs) and I'll try it out. (laughs) Lolis, I've got more good news for you. Um, you'll be able to play such games as Candyland, Operation Monopoly, uh, all your favourites. Candy Scrabble. Crush. Uh, what? Candy Crush. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I think Pandemic's on there. I did see Pandemic written here somewhere. Yeah. That's something. Um, yeah, it's on Kickstarter right now. And it's been made in official collaboration with Hasbro, who are that massive board game giant that own like Wizard of the Coast and everything. Uh, so it's authentic. Uh, and they say that they're going to be introducing more content in the future, including indie games uh, and uh, previews for, for upcoming games, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, they did say on the Kickstarter that some of the games you'll have to buy in addition, when you buy the table, you get like a set of like 50 plus games, puzzle, and various other activities. But in the future, you'll be able to buy more games to put on in your table. Can you imagine if somebody um, spilt a drink when you were playing a game? <laughs> also, where um, do you put your drink? You would hope drink? it would be waterproof. Where do you I put your drink? I think it drinks? is waterproof. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I guess around the edge, but it just looks like very glossy. Yeah, I don't think that it's ideal for that. Um, mm. I have a lot you... of problems with this. <laughs> if if you are not like Eileen's and you like the sound of this, uh, the Kickstarter is live until November 30th. Um, you can get a 32-inch version uh, for $699, also known as £543. It's just too much. It's just it. I I don't have a huge problem with like digital board games. I think they're generally no, very useful in some situations. But 
I've never seen one of these tables that is essentially just a big old screen. Because if you have the room for a table, at some point, just... Like, the, the benefit of digital board games is that they don't take up space and they, you know, you can play them on the go. Yeah. But this just feels like <laughs> well, you a can. very strange... It does have a battery pack, Matt. So it is yeah. on the go, it's portable, Matt. But also, you could just use a phone or an actual tablet. Rather than this this one specific very large item how that big, only plays Monopoly or How big is the battery pack to, for <laughs> You gotta wear it like, like a, a Ghostbusters Proton yeah. pack. You <laughs> can play online with it as well. So I hate someone this. else has a table. I hate this. I hate I hate it a lot. Like <laughs> I it's, I'm usually very open minded, but I hate this with a passion. It's it's Damning indictment it's, from uh, Lonely's there. Uh, it's manufactured by Arcade One Up, which I think they are generally quite well considered in terms of making arcade machines, uh, like home arcade machines. So presumably the build quality will be okay, but I think it's more just like, who who is this for? Who is yeah. spending you know seven hundred dollars? That's um, a lot of money to play Monopoly. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like it's the games that most people already own in some form, except mm. now you can pay seven hundred dollars to crowd around a small screen and look at them like something you'd find in a pub to be honest yeah maybe that's that's where this goes is it's all you do you remember when you used to go to whatever brand of family restaurant hungry and they horse the, yeah or um uh or brewster's a, fair yes yeah and they used to have uh the muppets party cruise on playstation <laughs> 2 or playstation 1 in like a sealed um like tv unit thing mm. maybe this is meant to go that way yeah. Look, even like when you're looking at right, I'm just looking at the article right on the website. Excellently written. Yes, excellently written. Thank you very much. And um, <laughs> there's even like I think it's the first picture in the article. Yes, it's like you can see that there's like reflections of like people's mm. like people on the table. It's like so. Are you gonna be annoyed during the game because you're like, well, I can't see that side of the board because there's like a big reflection on it. Like it's not even like reflection proof. Yeah, it. Yeah, I can it, neither confirm nor deny this. Uh, I've not seen one or used one, so I'm yeah. just going off the Kickstarter description. Also, the legs, the legs on it look like just metal kind of flat metal poles. It doesn't. Look it looks super... like an ugly table. Yeah, <laughs> like it, they it, could have at least put like I don't know something underneath it where you can store something. I don't mm. know, but like it's it's a real Board games. It is what you said, Matt. It's just. A massive tablet with legs. That's <laughs> what it looks like. It's yeah. not even. It's not even in it. Like oh, it's wow. called Infinity, right? It doesn't even have an Infinity screen. Like the fact yeah. is, it doesn't. Like there's a massive um, frame around the edge. Like, would you not have just made it so it's like right to the edge? Like that would be quite cool looking. This looks mm. like a tablet, like from like I don't know, seven years ago. Wow. Okay, well, that's the... Uh, but get burnt! Alex Lowley's <laughs> opinions do not reflect the uh, opinion of Dicebreaker as a brand. No, I, it doesn't look great. I think we're, we're all agreed on that. But, you know, there are there are people for whom it might be, you know, beneficial in various ways. Um, yeah. So, hey, you know, if, you, if it's for, for you, it's for you. Uh, let's move on to this one. Uh, Johnny's not here who would probably be the best person to discuss Warhammer Warcry, um, or to give its full name, the new Warhammer Warcry corset is called Warhammer Age of Sigmar Warcry Catacombs. Oh! 
um, which has an upsetting combination of colons and hyphens um, because it's just brand within brand within sub-brand within spin-off brand. Mm. Um, so let's let's just call it Warcry Catacombs, shall we? Mm. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar with Warcry, uh, it's essentially an, an all-in-one boxed game. Um, which isn't Warhammer Age of Sigma. It runs on a different set of rules. Um, it is a skirmish game, so you use kind of small war bands of about five or six models or so. Um, and you, the box comes with 3D terrain, it comes with a board that you lay all of that out on, and then you fight with each other. Um, and that's that's kind of it. It's, it's Warhammer, but very condensed, very kind of... Um, slick and streamlined compared to the big sprawling uh, armies of Age of Sigma proper. Um, so the original Warcry came out last summer or last uh, autumn um, and did pretty well. I think Johnny is a big fan. I think it recently picked up an Origins Award for Best Miniatures Game, which I think we discussed last week on the podcast. Uh, generally, people seem to really like it. Um, so now they're putting out this new kind of core set so you can jump straight in here as a starter set. Um, and it is set in kind of dungeons and underground caves. It comes with a load of lava. There's traps. There are two new warbands uh, whose name I will find. It, the name of the warband is. Can't believe it. The uh, oh wow, the Canaanites, Shadow Stalkers, uh, and the Seons uh, of the Flame. Seons, Seons. I'm sure someone in the comments will let me know that I pronounce both of those wrong. But it's basically stealthy, stealthy shadow people. Uh, and fire-wielding pyromaniacs. Oh! Uh, so, yeah. It's it's a new set. It is out soon. Uh, I think pre-orders are live, so I imagine it'll be out before the end of the year. Uh, and they're also putting out some kind of standalone warbands for Warcry as a whole. Uh, things like Skaven. Um, which you can well, just Johnny likes those. Yeah, he's yeah. talked about them before. So, yeah, this is... Games Workshop has kind of been on a roll with games that feature models that work in like Warhammer 40k or Warhammer Age of Sigmar, but are completely different kind of self-contained games. Um, and from what I understand, Warcry is one of the better ones. Um, so you can use these models in Age of Sigmar if you want to play Age of Sigmar proper. Um, but if you pick up this box, it kind of has what you need in it. But there we go. That's Warcry. I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah. More like woo cry. Hey. <laughs> All right, let's let's um, mosey on over to this next one. Uh, Alex Meehan, tell us about the new game from Uwe Rosenberg. Oh, Uwe Rosenberg. Oh, I'm what so sorry, Lolis. What a lad. Uwe. Uwe. Apologies to Uwe Rosen Rosenberg. <laughs> I'm sure he. I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> we've we've spoken kindly about him in the past, so I <laughs> uh, will speak about him now because he's assigned a new game mm -hmm. called Oh No Lonies Halatau. Uh, Halatau, yeah. uh, which is about 19th century beer brewing. <laughs> this actually, do you know what? I was just looking at this, and first picture I saw. On the article, once again, excellently yep. written. Um, I was yep. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw, and I was excited already, right? German beer 
whatever. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, sounds yeah, good. Whatever. Then I saw <laughs> Uwe Rosenberg, one of my favorite board game designers of all time. Sold. Well, lo- yeah, Loli, this sounds like the board game for you. Um, it's actually getting released this week on the 22nd, um, which is exciting. <laughs> and it's, it's a pretty, it looks like a very Uwe Rosenberg sort of game. You, uh, you grow your crops, you tend to your sheep, you look after your village and you can expand it and, um, you you can sort of trade your resources for other resources or or you know spend them to get points and things like that uh and it it's not the kind of setting that thrills me <laughs> um but i'm i'm glad that you are excited lowly um but i imagine if you like agricola then you'll probably be interested in this because it sounds sort of similar to agricola Hmm. It's not worker placement, I think, is it? Or I can't tell you that because <laughs> I don't secret. know enough. I yeah, it's top <laughs> secret information. I don't know enough details about how you play the game mm. to determine whether it is worker placement. Um, I just know that some of the vague actions you can do are plant stuff in your fields or spend your resources or things like that yeah. so uh, I imagine if more information comes out about it you'll find out if it is worker placement hmm. well, uh, if, by the time you're listening to this it'll be out yeah. so you might even yeah. just be able to go and pick it up you'll be able to see um, look out games of the publisher look out uh, games look out games yeah um, they publish a, well look out games has published a lot of um, Rosenberg's previous games such as patchwork Excellent uh, which is game. a favorite. Yeah, an excellent game. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and Cottage Garden. Also excellent game. I have it. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Loli. Thank well, you. maybe you'll you'll get a uh, Hallertau. Maybe I will. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I am intrigued. I like Rosenberg's games a lot. Yeah, I, I like Patchwork. Yeah, A Feast for Odin is like a game that I absolutely love, but requires so much time to play it that I'm just intimidated every time I think about playing it. It's a game that's great to play in my mind and then never actually play because I just don't have time. Mm, it's like, well, we... oh, that would be really fun if I had three hours to spare right now. We played a Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, didn't we, Matt Jarvis? We did, yes, which I always confuse with All Creatures Great and Small yeah. because I don't know why they didn't call it that. Uh, copyright <laughs> with God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he wins every legal battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting. This also seems to, at least the pictures they put out, which is not a lot of pictures because... Classic, yeah. Classic <laughs> game publisher. Why show off the game that you're about to release yeah. when you can just have people guess at it? Um, but there's there appears to be no kind of tile-laying aspect, which is the first game in a while that I can think of from uh, Rosenberg that hasn't had some kind of tile-laying in it. Because maybe maybe sick of it. Maybe I mean like the, a feast for Odin. There's the Cottage Garden trilogy. Um, there's pa- endless patchwork. There was a roll and write patchwork technically. Mm, oh yeah, it was. Right. So, called patchwork 
doodle. Yes, I also have that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to nice to see him try something else. Uh, if not yeah. different in theme, at least different. Uh, it seems in in gameplay. Yeah, you yeah. can uh, live your fantasy of being a nineteenth-century German beer brewer. I mm. mean, isn't that everyone's fantasy? Uh, at university, <laughs> I did spend quite a quite a long time brewing beer, home brewing beer. Um, How did that turn point, out, Matt Jarvis? Largely good um, until one. I think in the the final year of university, um, I started it too late because the process takes a couple of weeks. Um, and a friend and I were going to a concert, um, and we were like, we were we were students with no money. Um, it was like, well, we should have a drink before we go. Um, yeah, but calm the nerves. There wasn't there wasn't any drink that we had. We couldn't afford any. Um, so it's like, well, let's just drink whatever stage this homebrew beer is to. Um, and it turned out to be kind of like mildly, mildly alcoholic, like yeast sludge. Um, because it hadn't properly um, uh, fermented, God, uh, so it was darling. quite unpleasant. And I think that was the last time I home brewed beer. Yeah, uh, and that was a number of years ago. I feel a bit. I'd sick. like to give it another go, but yeah, yeah, maybe you should give it another go. Was it maybe, like um, was it like beer flavored porridge? Yeah, kind of. I mean, when people say that beer is like liquid bread, this was almost quite literally liquid bread because it was just it was like a sludge of yeast and sugar. Um, it was yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, don't don't try this at home, mm. viewers and listeners, kids. Well, you know, you can you can homebrew beer perfectly fine, but make sure that you follow the instructions and don't, yeah, don't drink the the don't sludge. Don't drink it two weeks early. Don't drink the pit the beer bread sludge. <laughs> okay, uh, on to this last news story. Uh, this is another one from you, Mian, uh, mm. from today, in fact. Oh my uh, god, this is fresh, fresh off, about... off the Barbie. Zeno language, Zeno language. Uh, yeah, Xeno language. Um, is it a, a game? A story game? <laughs> That's what it's been described as. Um, by Fawny Games, uh, which have, have previously released a, game, a tabletop role-playing game called Dialect. Uh, about creating a language as a group and then deciding how how it dies out in the end. Quite mournful. Uh, whereas Xeno language uh, is also about language, funnily enough. Uh, but it's about communicating with an, a new alien race um, with with your crew, your crew of scientists and kind of figuring out what's going on uh, with these new aliens that have arrived. And a shared dark past potentially there aren't huge amount of DLs on the game hence why I'm riffing on it <laughs> but I've kind of mastered the art so hopefully that wasn't too obvious until I point it out um, yeah the Kickstarter campaign is launching soon yeah they've been vague about it right there's a yeah. preview but they haven't said hey we're going live at this time yeah um you can kind of check out the the notification page at the moment and be like, yes, I want to know when it launches. Uh, and obviously that means that we don't know how much the pledge amounts are going to be. So, who knows? Hmm. Tis a mystery. Just like the aliens in this game, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Dialect was, it was really neat 
uh, as mm. a concept. Like it's we've sp- I think we've spoken about kind of like uh, language in RPGs and whatnot, and kind of using that as a concept, like mm. communication in general, um, and playing of it is always quite interesting in various games. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by this to see how this works and how much of the like the the figuring out communication figuring out the language is kind of real if that makes sense how much Mm. of it is like an actual puzzle and mystery and kind of cryptic thing uh, rather than just being gamified into shifting things around yeah i don't think i've obviously we've played games where we've like not been able to say certain words before we've had to like communicate around that like taboo or or um monikers or stuff like that um, but obviously, this I imagine will be something like this will be of an entirely different language, potentially one that they've just made up. I don't know, but mm. um, yeah, I don't know the details of how exactly it works yet. So we'll have to find out. But hey, la- languages are interesting. Yeah, I do like um, languages. Yeah, we you speak several languages, Lolis. I speak a couple, yeah. Yeah, and two and a half. Two three yeah. quarters. I, I speak one and a fifth. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'd sure say... I even speak a full one. <laughs> yeah, no, I was intrigued by this. As someone who's currently learning another language, language is something that is interesting me at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, I'd like to give it a try. Yeah, I will say just because it's on my mind because we're chatting about language, but there's a very good podcast called The Allusionist, uh, which is excellent um, and kind of just goes through interesting parts of language and how words come about and how language is formed. Hmm. It's very, very good. No, I'd like to play that dialect game because I think it's very fascinating. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Cool. All right, that's it for news. Let's shift <gasps> on to emails. If you've got an email for the Dicebreaker podcast, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. We can find us on Twitter at joindicebreaker, on Facebook, Instagram, all the usual places. Yeah, Let d- us know just, what you're thinking and what you want to know. Just do it, for goodness sake. That's, that's, <laughs> the slo- that's our slogan. <laughs> our definitely not trademarked by a major sports brand slogan. Dicebreaker, just do it. Well, no, sake. you are. Thank you, lonelies. You you are <laughs> misinterpreting what I said. Mm-hmm. I said just do it. You're taking words sake. out of her mouth. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that escapes the trademark yeah. by just adding "for goodness sake" to the end of it. Hey, words I'm loving it. For goodness sake, you can um, see me in Matt, court. Okay, w- words cannot be trademarked. Words belong to the people. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to stand up in court. Lonely started two and legal I battles, gonna... one with God, we'll one with... will take this all the way yeah. to the top. <laughs> yeah. Lonely's and I are going to defend this to the death. Yeah. In court. We'll be the bailiffs. 100%. Okay. Let's Lonely's, would you like to read this one from Emily, please? I'd love to. <laughs> Emily says, hey folks, I was recently looking into Quarks of Quedenberg, excellent game, because I'd heard so much about it from you all. And you would not believe my disappointment when I found out it wasn't about ducks. 
Mm, sad times. <laughs> My question is, have any of you had similar instances of misunderstanding a game's title? And do you think your version of the game would have made it better or worse? I personally think Quacks would have been better simply by having everyone also be ducks. Thanks, Emily. Mm. Emily... No, no. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, I'm joking. Wow, I'm joking. shut down. <laughs> I joke. Um, I think the quacks element is a, a different use of the word. Yes, and I mean, I think she's she's saying that they could also be ducks, but Quack, then I think quacks. Yeah, I think the problem with that then would be that people would think it's a game about ducks, not about like scientists or whatever about quacks you know it's like um i used to work for big potato games disclaimer and mm. whenever we worked at events and we had big potato written on our like clothing whatever they'd be like oh do you sell like fries or something it's like no we do board <laughs> games you know like that stuff like that can be like problematic like and then there was talk about like oh why don't you like bring out your own crisps crisp brand called big potato it's like no because that just confuses it even more um i don't know the also, point i was trying to make but there's a point in there somewhere is it worth investing in an uh, entire crisp brand just because of that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know there probably is mm. for me it's probably like um Oh, Subterra was a game that I looked at the name of the box and I was like, oh, this is really exciting because I really like horror games. And it looked like the kind of game where you, you know, explore the the darkness and it's like, um, oh my goodness, The Descent, which is a really good film. Uh, and I was so excited to play it. And then we played it and I was like, this is really disappointing. Because not only is it a game that kind of doesn't really work that well, it's alright. Um, it turns out it's a game where you are exploring caves, and there are sort of monsters in it, sort of. But they don't really play a huge aspect in the game. Not as much as you want. And I think it doesn't really provide the kind of atmosphere I was hoping for. Like, it, it was a lot more... Um, kind of light and um yeah not what i was after when i was playing it um so i guess that's more of a misunderstanding about what to expect from a game yeah. called subterra mm. i believe you've played it mr jarvis i yeah i reviewed it when it came out and i did not particularly love it i think it, mm. it kind of like it was fine um but i just didn't have a like a great time with it um yeah i think um it's not quite on the theme of the question because i'm struggling to actually think of one where i've misunderstood or like where a word has like a double meaning and would be more fun the other way mm. but i find that like a lot of board games do quite a poor job of sounding fun um yeah. i've mentioned container on this podcast before um <laughs> which i so i won't go for that again that's a lot more fun than it sounds but there are games like um there's a game called uh Ancient Civilizations of the Inner Sea, which A, is way too long as a title, and B, sounds very dry. Oh God. Like, it sounds yeah. like a real plodding war game where you are simulating, you know, things very slowly over multiple hours. Um, and there's, like, a tiny, tiny grain of, that, grain of that in there. But Ancient Civilizations of the Inner Sea 
is actually like a really ridiculous kind of full-on it's not a party game but it has elements of that Mm. so you have a big old board you play as civilizations from that era of history or way back when um so you might play as like the greeks or the romans or you know the scythians um but you you place counters to build up your cities and settlements and then you play cards and all the cards are basically just incredibly mean things against other people (laughs) and so it's like here's a volcano take all of your counters off of the map in these four areas or here's an earthquake halve them or here's a famine or here's pirates that are now attacking you here's barbarians and so it's this really kind of it's actually quite simple even though it presents itself as this very dry long game you can Mm. you can play for like a long time um but you can also just play it for like an hour or two and then cut it off because it's played in eras so you can just play to two eras and see who's there but the gameplay itself is like this really swingy kind of take that thing where you're just playing cards and doing what the cards say for most of the game Mm -hmm. and so it's really fun for that reason but it took a lot of convincing my wife and my friends to play it and then as soon as they play it they're like oh this is actually really fun Mm. um but because it comes across as like a very dry historical game Mm. i think it's quite a hard sell for people um, and there's quite a few games like that where like the theme just doesn't seem fun and then you play it's like oh this is great i think a lot of board games make the mistake of having titles that are too literal mm. like i don't like board <coughs> games that are just called like florence or like they're just named after or like amsterdam or like stuff like that they're just named after a place or a city i'm like well that doesn't tell me what you know that doesn't really evoke anything you're just Sure, it's set in this location, but that's it. Whereas I, I don't know. I prefer the names that kind of evoke an, a, like a feeling or like a broader concept than just a place. So, like Clank, for example, I think is a really good name because it's something that inspires like curiosity. Sound, like, oh, what? Yeah, it's like a sound. So instantly you're you're intrigued. And like I told my mom about, oh, I was playing Clank, and obviously she, she doesn't really know much about board games but instantly she was like oh what what's that like i think yeah names that kind of inspire like a an interest or or a feeling or a curiosity i think are the best ones Mm. lowly to answer emily's question yes definitely but i'm going through like the library of every game i've ever encountered in my whole life and i'm really struggling because i feel like if i if it had happened I've probably forget forgotten it by now. Like, some. Oh. Um, I I just don't know. I'd have to I'd yeah. have to go and stand in front of games library, and then I'd be like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> like Chocolate Factory is a game. The name is oh, I'm instantly interested because chocolate. Mm-hmm. But the game itself is incredibly like heavy, from what I know. It's quite intense. And it's more about you are running this factory <laughs> rather than oh delicious chocolate treats. I remember that being at um, tabletop gaming live last year and being like really mm. intrigued by it and wanting to play it because I was like oh chocolate factory sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, you've got to repair this conveyor belt. Come on. Yeah, I that's I think that's more the problem is like games that just 
don't manage to get across the experience of playing in the title like mm. you're saying it's mm. just like there are yeah, so many like... games where you read the title and you're like oh that sounds like a fun party game or that sounds like a fun like light dungeon crawler and then it turns out to be some kind of like super weighty like a euro game that you have to sit down and read the rules for four hours to understand yeah i think the problem is that um quite a lot of games end up getting their theme and their name just after they've been mostly mm. completed like they'll just get a theme or a name slapped on them which for some it works fine like uh, baron park was the case and baron park is great that was just like a lucky break whereas like others you can kind of tell like the, the setting and the theme the name is kind of like oh yeah let's just put this on here whatever and yeah that's fine but i don't know i've always been more drawn to games that thematically feel a lot more whole rather than just here are the mechanics this is what you came for right i guess we'll just slap whatever on it um yeah there you go what was right. actually what was that game by the creators of exploding kittens where we were like oh they should have named it something else oh a You're game of cat and mouth yeah mm. okay it wasn't that bad actually <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's move on <laughs> All right, uh, Mian, uh, would you like Hello. to read this one from Neil? Niall? Niall. Oh. Well, thank you. I would love to. Niall says, "Hi team. My question is about big games, the kind of games of in-depth narrative uh, that need long sittings to complete, a single game or a campaign structure. What is the best way to get a board game novice into these kind of experiences?" Uh, my fiance and I can get on with playing smaller games like Catan, Ticket to Ride, but I want to move on to bigger titles like Eldritch Horror, Mansions of Madness, Pandemic Legacy. All of these sit on the shelf, uh, but gather dust because she cringes at the idea of committing to overly long or multiple play sessions. Um, is there any games out there that serve as a middle ground, maybe quick and simple, but the campaign side to it also, just to introduce her to the style? Thanks and stay safe, Niall. Well, he mentions in Niall mentions in the email that they they play Pandemic and he would like to play games like Pandemic Legacy. So that seems like a natural um, <laughs> progression. Yeah, I mean, because it's also split is, into lots of smaller yeah. games. Yeah, like Pandemic Legacy is just like you're playing loads of games of Pandemic. And you can kind of stop and start whenever you really want. Mm. <laughs> like, my flightmate and I haven't played Pandemic Legacy in a while. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's see. I think... To... Oh, sorry. Go on, Matt Jarvis. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, Pandemic Legacy is, I think, maybe one of the better examples because it is basically just that core game and they slowly add in one thing at oh. a time. So it doesn't feel like... By by the end of twelve games or fifteen games, whatever it is, you've you're playing like kind of a substantially different game. But because it's layered in nice and easy, I think generally it's a lot more approachable than it might it might seem at the outset. Because when you look at it and you go, oh, like this is a big, you know, we've got to embark on this big old campaign. Actually, the first two or three games are just going to be the pandemic, you know, and that will ease you in, and you'll kind of get a feel for it. I think there are there are a few games like that. Although I like I don't 
want to recommend people just go out and buy more games for the sake of um like easing someone into the same game but there are like lighter spin-offs of games like something like agricola or creatures big and small Mm. it's like a good example because it's kind of like agricola there's the core of it there but it's much quicker there's like Patchwork Express, although Patchwork Normal is not it's particularly. Like, it's like Jaws heavy. of the Lion for Gloomhaven. Yeah, Jaws yeah, exactly. Of the Lion. Which would actually yeah. be quite a good one as well. Because I think if you like, I, I mean, I've not played Jaws of the Lion, but from what I've heard, it's quite similar. It's just as a, a, like a simplified version, whatever. Mm. Um, I don't think Gloomhaven is that meaty necessarily, especially if like you are willing to, because it sounds like Niall would be willing to, you know, <laughs> kind of do the the heavy lifting and kind of be the rules person, right? So it would just be a matter of like, of his fiance then sitting down to play the games. I think Gloomhaven Aww. is actually very friendly because I, I like I am that person. Like I I play it with my friend and he's the one who knows all the rules. So like I very much just like follow his lead. Um, I think Jaws of Line is quite a good option then because if mm. I think once you're playing that it, like those games like Isaac Childress has done a really good job with those games and um, if you like Jaws of the Line then maybe she might even be willing to do something like Gloomhaven which is a massive game obviously um, oh. but Jaws of the Line is, is quite like and it's good that publishers are doing stuff like that um, that you're kind of able oh. to put dip your toe in or help help your fiance dip their toe in Mm. Mm. Maybe something like Mice and Mystics. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Which is a, also a dungeon crawler, but a lot more scaled back compared to anything like Gloomhaven. Um, yeah, I mean, like Matt said, obviously you've already invested quite a bit in this library that you have. And it might just be the case that maybe she just doesn't want to play those kind of games and it's okay. Like, some people are just not into those style of games and... I think, obviously, like, we are Dicebreaker exists to try and, you know, uh, in- introduce people to board games and new types of tabletop gaming and everything like that. But, you know, there's also a point where you, you might have to consider maybe just stick to the kind of games that she does like and mm. just, like, move, go, like, go width instead of depth like just sort of move sideways so like if she likes pandemic maybe find a co-op game like pandemic we have a whole list of co-op games on the the site which range with with depth Hmm. so um it's not always the case that someone's going to want to invest that much time in board games like i don't like watching a lot of television shows because they require you to invest a lot of time in them to really get into it and that's just not something i really want to do so therefore, when people are like, I can't believe you haven't watched this. I'm like, I just don't want to do that. And sometimes it's okay. Yeah. I think as well, kind of just building on the point I said earlier about like finding like spin-offs, basically. Also, a lot of the themes that reoccur in board games tend to reoccur in like a lot of different games. So for instance, if your fiance is into, you know, I don't know, pandemic or like hop stuff like me and said, there are loads of co-op games if they happen to like lovecraft stuff you know instead of going straight into like eldritch horror or mansions yeah. of madness you could try the elder elder sign is a little bit more yeah um accessible for example yeah um, or the arkham horror living car game because that is that has a campaign structure but the actual games are like 40 minutes half an hour depending on how you play them rather than two three hour chunks so i think you like me and said you can kind of go sideways and go out of those series if it's a theme or a mechanic 
it's one of the nice things about board games is there's just so many of them at some point mm. where you can probably find if you're looking for a game that takes approximately one hour is co-op has a certain theme is a certain kind of difficulty or weight You'll there'll be a game them. out there yeah. somewhere there's um, even a there's even a Cthulhu version of pandemic hmm. maybe give that a go reign of Cthulhu, i think yeah and there's the the north america hot, hot zone north america hot zone, yeah um yeah i think publishers are are kind of cottoning on to the fact that people um like as board games get bigger and bigger more and more people are coming into them and those big long uh like sessions or mm. like lots of rules are often too much for most people to kind of pick up and enjoy so they are kind of like jaws of the lion like hot zone like ticket to ride london and new york there are those kind of short things and they are those games in concept you know it's still most of those games are still in there they're just kind of chopped down to a more digestible size indeed mm-hmm. uh let's read this one from will i say i say let's it's me that's gonna read it here i go uh from will friend of the site will uh given me in the recent comments on tailstone's review on the youtube channel now uh, and also on the website. I've been thinking about just how unnecessarily big some games are. What game do you think would benefit most from being simplified down to a pocket-sized travel oh, version mate. instead of the gigantic lux box it is now? Ninety-nine so percent of question, board games. I thank say. you, Will. That <laughs> needs to be said. I, I, I honestly get like red with anger when I open a board <laughs> game box and it's like fifty percent <clears> like just air. I'm like, why? What? Like, yeah, they just put like, oh, mate, I can't even. (laughs) When I I recently opened a box, um, a game that was sent to me, I opened the box and it was two decks of cards and like something else. And then the rest was all just cardboard. And I was like, are you joking me? Like, what? I don't want a massive box that's going to like, you could have put this in a smaller box and I would have been Mm. way happier. Instead, you've sold me like a bunch of air and I'm not. Oh, I get real angry about stuff like this. Let me tell you, Will. Let me tell you. I, I honestly, honestly, I think probably at least seventy to eighty percent of board games should be smaller than they are. Mm. It's s- when they have, it's when they have giant inlays in there for like not a lot of stuff. Like some games, I understand. Like Marvel Champions, for example, has that problem. But Marvel Champions is the kind of game where you buy more cards and you put them in the box. Like you fill it in some of those gaps in the inlay. So it kind of made with that purpose in mind. Uh, it doesn't stop some of it from being a bit egregious. Whereas like other examples are just like, oh wow, you've like this is eighty percent inlay and you've got some cards in here and maybe some dice or something. Uh, it, it does make me cross as well, Lonely. And, and I think sorry, Dan. I think Matt and I have discussed part of the issue being that it is often the case, especially now, that larger game boxes tend to catch people's attention more than smaller ones. Because even though technically what you're getting inside isn't maybe that much different from a smaller box they look at the larger box and they're like, oh, that's more impressive, it's got more value to it, yada, 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 when actually, like, probably not the case. Especially um, if they're selling a, a box that technically only has stuff in it. Like, let's just say they're selling, like, a, a big box for £15. 
and it is 15 pounds worth of stuff because there's nothing inside but you look as a customer you look at this big box and think 15 pounds for this big box wow that's great and you and it's like okay well obviously i'm gonna buy the big box for 15 pounds rather mm. than the tiny box for 15 pounds but yeah oh, there was something yeah. else i was gonna say actually but, oh yeah what you were saying about um when you get um boxes like in was it marvel you were saying um, Marvel Champions. Marvel yeah. Champions, where it's like, oh yeah, but they expect you to like fill that. I, I that still annoys me though, because they shouldn't assume that I'm gonna buy expansion. Yeah, mm. no, it's... that's the problem. Yeah, but but this is coming from a company like Fantasy Flight, where they they make games designed to to produce many many expansions for you to put in there. Yeah, I think Fancy Flight is among the worst offenders yeah. because they always use the same terrible cardboard inlay that is a channel down the middle and then two kind of raised areas on the side. And they use it for every, almost every single game. Um, and they don't include enough bags to separate pieces out. It just uses up more space than it needs to. Mm. Like, it's terrible. Every time I just chuck them out. Like, and they they all it's either that um where well, it normally is that and some often it's combined with kind of just the same square exactly the same width exactly the same which is fine if you're lining things up on the shelf it fits perfectly they all look very neat but sometimes when you've got a game like mansions of badness for instance which has a load of miniatures in it versus know, something else um that just doesn't have that stuff in there and it yeah like you say it's it's not helping anything because it's worse for the environment because it's taking up more room when they're shipping it it's worse for the people buying the games because it's taking up more room than it needs to and board mm. games take up a lot of room as it is it's uh, harder it's... to transport so yeah. if you want to go around someone's house oh i'll so... bring this game and you're like oh like when i'm walking back from the office to go home <laughs> i'm just lugging this giant thing with me yeah and uh, it I'm sucks like... at retailers as well because they then have to kind of optimize the shelf space they the have, which is part space, of it because, yeah. like you say, it catches the eye if there's a bigger box. If there's 100 games on a shelf and one of them is bigger than 50 others, mm. then you're more likely to be drawn to it. But Some of my favorite games are like this small, mm. like tiny. Like... Love Letter comes in a bag. Love Letter Size comes of a in deck a bag. Of cards. So good. You can chuck like 20 copies of Love Letter in your, ha- in your handbag mm. or, or, or like Fox in the Forest or, or Coup or like... Obviously, they're... They're much shorter games anyway, so they're going to be smaller. But then even the bigger games that just utilize space really well, like Fort takes like 30 to 40 minutes to play, I think, depending on the, the player count. And that's like a really nice sized box, and I think it uses its space really well. If the box uses its space really well, yeah, look how sweet it is. I love I love how it looks, and I love the, the size of it. Whereas, like, Scythe, for example, is a huge, mm. but that thing is heavy mm. because it is full of stuff. Because Scythe is an enormous game. But that's the thing. It, if it's filled, then yeah. it's okay. It's just when yeah, it's filled with, with stuff. So yeah. don't and, do it. Yeah, I think later <laughs> games, speaking of Fort, like Root is another one that strikes me as exactly mm. the right amount of space. I think it's really tight in that box in the best way. Because mm. the, other, the other problem is where they go the other way and they... You, you open a game for the first time, there are a load of punch boards, you punch all the tokens out, and then you try and put everything back in, and the, oh, the it doesn't squeeze. shut flat, and you're yeah. having to like work um, out the the absolute optimal way of getting everything in. Fast it, was it like never that. Sits. Yeah. 
vast, so, vast, the mysterious manner was like that. Yeah. <laughs> Lowly. Hate us. Games that have more than, I don't know, let's say a dozen different pieces or half a dozen different pieces, just include some kind of guide as to how to pack it away in the in a way that fits neatly inside the box and doesn't mm. damage anything. Also include just enough baggies to put I, everything I like, in. Actually, some boxes even do that when they've got little, like, um, symbols where pieces mm, are yeah. supposed to go. Like, that's all it even needs. Mm, yeah. Excellent. But like twilight imperium 4 is one that there are just i don't know there's like eight different holes and it's not clear how you it's not separated by faction because that doesn't work you can't separate each thing out into its own separate thing so at some point you're like well do i combine these with these because i use them during the same kind of actions like you're having to almost and it just ends up being exhausting to try and and then when you're trying to take things out during a game it, unless you've got everything on the table mm. it's just it's just rubbish. So, mm. yeah. It's not not a good trend, uh, bigger boxes. I mean, miniatures, also an issue. Don't... If mi- if fewer games included miniatures, a lot of that issue would be solved. There are so many games that do not need miniatures. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> miniatures are the best part of fast, actually. <laughs> no, because when we were using them, especially the little spider ones, their legs would, would break off. Mm. and be all tangled and not nice so yeah uh all right let's close off with this quite quick question uh we're a few oh gosh we're, well i say we're a few we're two months away from christmas um actually please. six weeks i think really mm. wait six weeks oh no wait you're right two months two months two months two months <laughs> but um uh <laughs> s- actually lolis would you like to read this one from cecile Cecily. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Apologies if I completely mispronounced that. Uh, what board games would you recommend as the overall ultimate Christmas gift and why? Cecily. Super Rhino Hero Battle. <laughs> that <Sorry>. was wrong. <laughs> Rhino Hero Super Battle. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Super Rhino, Rhino Hero Super Battle. <laughs> Um, I think that's really hard to answer because I don't know who it's for. Okay, let's go, because I was thinking about this. Let's go one each. Let's go one that's like less than a tenner, kind of like your your secret Santa. Okay. You know, give it to someone that maybe doesn't know board games and one that's kind of your mid-range, someone that likes board games, but maybe hasn't played more than Ticket to Ride, Catan, Pandemic. Right. I'm going to say for secret Santa stuff, I mean, we already mentioned it, but Love Letter is always a winner. That was mine as well. Yeah, it's really good. There are loads of different themes, and they're basically all the same game, so you can just give it to someone and pick whatever theme is closest to their interests. Mm. It's really good. So we're saying under £10? Oh, sure. Around that level. Under 15 under 20 whatever you... I probably... I know this gets um, pooed on a lot, uh, I'll probably go with the mind. I think the mind is quite good, and I've played it with my brother and his partner, and they don't really play an awful lot of board games. They're not hugely into it, and they loved it. And then after we played it, his partner was like, "I can't. I want to play it again now, please." <laughs> so I think, and that game is usually around ten pounds, like fifteen max. Um, and again, nice small box. And I think it's one that's really easy to learn and a real hit 
at the Christmas party. <laughs> All the kids love it. Um, yeah, they love it. There's a game called Twin It, which I don't know how available it is anymore because um, they changed distributors like last year or something. Um, but it's called Twin It. It's, it's kind of like, it's by the maker of Jungle Speed. Jungle Speed also equally good suggestion actually but there's um there's a team uh, element in twin it that you can play that i absolutely adore um if you're unaware of jungle speed or twin it it's essentially like uh snap on crack <laughs> um, whoa <laughs> lonely no it's um it's like snap but it's um you've got all these like square cards and they all have very similar symbol similar symbols on them and they're all double-sided as well. So even when you flip a card, it's got a different symbol on it. And you then need to put both one hand on one. If you see like, a, and you put them on the table and eventually the table gets filled up with more and more cards that have similar colorings and similar patterns. And then, so eventually you're like looking at this table, like while your eyes are just like this. You can't, <laughs> listeners won't be able to, to see you, but my eyes are very wide. Um, and you need to put like one hand on one and one hand on the other to try and get pairs and you need to get a certain amount of pairs to win. But there's a team version, which I even prefer. And in that case, you play with the person opposite you as your teammate and you can only use a hand each. So you're then like seeing pairs that come up and trying to communicate with your partner where the other half of that pair is. But because the symbols are so like random, the patterns and everything, you just come up with like weird names for the patterns and it gets very loud and rowdy and very stressful. Um, and it's <laughs> it's really good fun. Hmm. Nice. Uh, let's whiz through big ones. If you're going to give a bigger game, I think I'd probably just go like, I feel like Azul, Azul, a lot of people have played mm. by this point, but there's still enough people that haven't played Azul. And I do think it's like right up there with kind of like the modern classics at this point like your ticket to ride your katans mm, yeah yeah agreed i'm gonna say aside from super rhino hero battle which is a masterpiece rhino hero super battle that's the one <laughs> rhino hero super battle super rhino hero battle <laughs> i don't care you know what i'm talking about the one with the rhinos uh-huh. and the monkeys um that's a really great game. Or just Rhino, normal Rhino Hero. Um, John Cart's pretty good. Oh, I'd John, say Cart. John Cart is a good is a good pick because yes. I just think at Christmas the kind of games you want to pick are the ones that they'll be able to play in a Christmassy kind of atmosphere. Meaning drunk, drunk. <laughs> yes, John Cart is so good because you actually get yeah. so many games in one game because you've got yeah. all the different rule sets. Yeah, yeah. John Cart is a, a such drunk. John Cart, yes. Uh, it's just such a good dexterity game, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, that or um, Team Three. Oh, Pink Team Three! Green. I love Team Three. You've just reminded me of these games I completely forgot about. Mate, they're they're absolute party classics. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything now, but I think um. Uh. I don't want to go with the one I always go for. I want to think of something else. So, what was your suggestion again, Matt? Oh, I said Azul, which I feel like I always recommend. But it is like, I don't know, it just it's become one of those, right? Also, there's multiple sequels now, so that sorts you for the next 
three years yeah. if they like it. <laughs> Rhino Hero Super <laughs> It's always something already. to consider is the lazy present option in the future. Oh, yeah. Junkar and Team 3 were such good suggestions. I feel like I need to come up with something. No offence, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no cheers. Well, <laughs> well obviously, Alex like... wins the turf <laughs> Obviously, like, big fan of Quacks of Quedlinburg, but I also don't think that's necessarily the like best best game to play around christmas because there's so many bits and stuff right in fairness this was more like games to give as christmas gifts not to play for christmas but i think i think, I think well, Ian is yeah. right though i think games that you give at christmas are often played around yeah game, that's right? christmas like, yeah yeah um but a board game is for life not just for christmas code oh. names code names is a classic yeah code names yeah. is a good shout yeah, I don't know. I think Mian wins this round. She's good. everyone listen to me and ignore the rest. Not everything's of it. a competition, yeah. ladies. Everyone listen to me. I literally can't think for of anything right now. For once, for once, listen to me. I think Code Names is a good shout. Also, like... no. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's all we've got time for this week. But before we leave you, lowlies. As the designated uh, representative of the video side of Dicebreaker this week, what's coming up on that youtube.com forward slash Dicebreaker? I always forget to get this ready, but actually, I have it open already. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, ladies and gentlemen, you will have seen potentially, or if not, it will be coming soon, a sponsored video where we play uh, The Shining title title um escape room game <laughs> escape from bus. outlook hotel <laughs> yeah something like that um which would have been the video team played that uh we will have done a painting stream where we paint some darkest dungeon uh minis we huh? will have done or will be doing an among us stream today with outside <gasps> extra outside xbox oh. and Eurogamer, where we will be playing some hide and seek as well uh, I always so enjoy watching those, so I'd recommend watching it. It's a good laugh. Um, I think it might already be on if uh, when the podcast comes out, actually. So probably yeah. Might, oh might well, g- quick, quick, <laughs> quick! Stop listening Go to us. Now. <laughs> uh, well, by the time they get to this part, it'll be over for sure because they'll be over an hour in. But um, uh, the Dungeon Breaker returns tomorrow, as we already <gasps> mentioned. How exciting yeah. is that? Uh, premiere. Premiere. Usually at three watch. PM bad attempts to stop giggling at very crude jokes. Don't approve of that. Uh, we may have a uh, list about some Halloween games you should check out for Halloween. Spooks! Spoopy, spoopy times. Uh, next week there'll be a How to Play on Betrayal, which will be written by Mian and filmed by myself. Me. It's team. It's a team effort. Mm. It's a team Alex two, effort. Two Alexen, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and live stream gameplays, uh, and that's it. That's a, that's a lot of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, that is a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, over on dicebreak.com, you can find already up is a review of Escape the Dark Sector uh, from Alex Meehan, yep, uh, which has been discussed training. on this podcast a few times, which Indeed. sounds pretty good. It's a very good review. I enjoyed both editing and reading it. Um, we have a piece up talking about Star Wars X-Wing, um, and kind of looking at the space combat in it and kind of comparing it to Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, I'm laughing because Alex Meehan is sneezing or kind of just imploding. Um, <laughs> I'm all uh, right. I'm all right. 
<laughs> next week uh, we will have a guide on painting miniatures uh, up on the website uh, we'll also have a list of the best kind of Halloween themed Magic the Gathering cards um, <gasps> and to round out the Halloween kind of celebration uh, there's also a piece where one of our writers Jamie Taylor played Mysterium with a professor in parapsychology kind wow. of chatting about its links to like well, how it represents spiritualism and ghost hunting and all of that stuff, which is really interesting. Spooks. Um, yeah, it's kind of how it plays <laughs> off of me and input. That's why I human psychology. Spooks every now and then. <laughs> this is what I do in October. I just shout spooks every so often. Uh, but yeah, so we have plenty coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, mm. But until next week, that's it for the Dicebreaker podcast. Of course, you can find us until next time on dicebreaker.com, <laughs> youtube.com slash dicebreaker, or buy some Dicebreaker merchandise on dicebreaker.myshopify.com. Wow. Uh, as rocked by lowlies this week. Uh, also, as drunk <laughs> by lowlies this week. Uh, that oh doesn't God. make any sense if you're listening to the audio version. Um, but until next time, thank you, Alex Lowlies. Thank you for having me, Mad Jarvis. <laughs> Thank you, Alex Meehan. Spooks! <laughs> I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye! Bye.